Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. Today's topic is the wealth effect. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. With our IPI Policy Basics podcast, we're building an audio reference library on basic policy concepts and ideas for those who want to learn and understand how to think about policy or who need to get up to speed on a particular issue. I'm joined once again in studio today by IPI resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And Dr. Matthews, today you want to talk to us about the wealth effect. Now, the fact that it's got wealth in the name makes me like it, but <laughs> I think I might be wrong. Well, we'll see. And, you know, of course, the policy basics that we deal with are, are meant to be long-term things, but sometimes they're, they're engendered or generated by things that are happening out there. And one mm. of the things that's happening out there is President Biden is going around trying to get people to believe he's doing really well with the economy, Bidenomics, Bidenomics right. and nobody believes it. And so it's it's really frustrated the White House. So one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this is because of the impact of what we call the wealth effect. Now, I'm reading now from the National Bureau of Economic Research, organization that publishes a, a range of economic papers uh, from 2019, as it defines what the wealth effect is. And it says the wealth effect is the notion that when households become richer as a result of a rise in asset values, such as corporate stock prices, or home values, they spend more and stimulate the broader economy. So we're going to look at all, all of those aspects of it. Now, the economists realize it's difficult to estimate the magnitude of the wealth effect. They understand it's there. It's just hard to try to calculate and estimate how big that wealth effect is. But we'll start with the aspect of the stock market because that's the first one that they mentioned in that NBER uh, study. So the stock market, the paper that I mentioned came from 2019. In 2019, when that paper came out looking at the wealth effect, the Dow Industrial Average was up more than 6,000 points from when Trump had entered office in January of 2017. So it had a huge increase in the Dow. That's up about 30% in that time period there. Um, by contrast, under Biden, the market is up about 2,500 points from when, uh, from when he started. But more to the point, the Dow Industrial Average has been relatively level for the past two and a half years. Very as, as, anyone, as anyone with a 401k or an IRA can tell you. Yeah. Uh, there was another study that came out through NBER at that time uh, in 2019. They were trying to estimate the impact on consumer spending and, and the impact upon the growth of the economy. And they found in that that every dollar of increased stock market wealth, consumer spending rises by about 2.8 cents per year. So an increase in a dollar of the, of the stock market, about 2.8 cents, is spending increases and so forth. So you see that what happens here is you get this sort of self-perpetuating deal. Stock market's going up. I feel wealthier. The economy feels, people feel wealthier about that. Things look good. I go out and spend things. I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe I can afford that vacation now, or maybe I can afford that new car or that new washing machine or dishwasher. You use the word feel several times in that description right. because, because a lot of this is psychological, it, exactly right? Exactly right. Uh, not all of it's psychological because if, if your portfolio has gone up, 
you actually do have the capacity Mm -hmm. to spend more. But it strikes me that we're talking about something that is primarily a psychological effect. The way you feel about your finances and the way you feel about the overall economy, if you're optimistic, you're more willing to spend. Exactly right. And several years ago, listening to Larry King on his radio talk show, he had a person in there who wrote a monthly uh, newsletter about the stock and stock market and so forth. And he asked him about his background in business. I don't have a background in business. I have a background in psychology. Mm. And he said, I'm surprised by that. I thought since you wrote about the stock market, you would have a background in business. He said, or economics. He said, no, that's because the stock market is a lot more about psychology than it is about economics. And there's, there's some truth in that. Yeah. Yeah. But you might raise the question, wait a minute, you're talking about the stock market. Not everybody's in the stock market. Well, actually, the majority of people is. The Pew Research Center uh, tracked this, and they said, and they say, while a relatively small share of American families, 14%, are directly invested in individual stocks, a majority, 52% of families, have some level of investment in the market because mostly through 401ks and IRAs and things of that and nature. Mutual funds, essentially. Yeah, mutual yeah. funds. Right. Or you've got the 401k that your company provides and, and you put money from that in there. So the majority of Americans are actually have some kind of interest and investment in the stock market. So the wealth effect feeds on itself and is, in a sense, self-perpetuating. Now, that uh, definition also mentioned home value. Right. Okay. So CNN came out in August, said U.S. home buyers have a new challenge in addition to mortgage rates above 7%. Prices are rising again, reversing five months of year-over-year declines, according to the National Association of Realtors. So home, uh, back in August, as they were looking at this going to July, home prices were rising again. They had been dropping some, but they're rising again. Now, doesn't that help? With the wealth effect, don't I feel a little wealthier now that my home prices are rising again? But prices were pushed up by stubbornly low uh, inventory of homes in the market. Mm -hmm. And so it's not because people are feeling better and they're going out and spending more on homes. It's because you've got a, a, a supply aspect, decline in homes being available, and because... Um, that low number of homes that are available is sort of pushing prices up. So you've got a sort of an inflationary aspect there. Yeah, I think I think almost any homeowner who has watched their home and property values go up at a rate over the last couple of years, much higher than the historical average, mm-hmm. understands that this is a bubble. Now, right. there's ways to take advantage of a bubble, but you, you, I think everyone understands it's a bubble, and there's a reason why prices started to decline there for a while. What what I think is interesting here from a wealth effect psychological standpoint is that here there's a world of difference between the person who owns a home mm-hmm. and the person who doesn't. Right. Because for the person who owns a home, there is a positive psychological effect here. But for a person who doesn't want a home, for a first-time home buyer, this is extremely discouraging because prices are going up and interest rates are going up. That's a lot of people. You mentioned interest rates, so that we'll look at that. That's our next point. Bank rate on Thursday of this month, the current average interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage, 7.83%, rising 24 basis points over the last week. If you're in the market for mortgage refinancing, just refinancing your house, 30-year fixed rate refinance interest rate is 7.98%, nearly 8%. And so even if you say, 
Even if you can say, you know, I'm glad my house price is going up. I need to go out and refinance it because I need some extra money. Wait, I'm looking at nearly an 8% mortgage for 30 years? Yep. That is terrible. Now, we should we should make, in the interest of accuracy, we should make a historical note here. And that is that a 7% mortgage is not a historical anomaly. Right. But it is an anomaly for the past 30 years. It is. We, we've had three decades of low to very low interest rates on, on mortgages. And, and people have become used to that. People have become used to it and they expected it. And we had a, we had a, a, a window a couple of years ago where mortgage rates were below 3%. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've talked about the fact that this is primarily a psychological effect. Uh, if you were used to mortgage rates that were 5% or below, and now they're 8%, that's a big psychological blow. And it doesn't matter that that's actually, you know, somewhere in the normal historical range. It's not in the normal range for your lifetime. It's or, not in the normal range for the last 30 or 40 years. That's right. They've yeah. come to expect that sort of 2 to 3%. Right. So we looked at the stock market. It's been basically level for the last two and a half years. We looked at housing, even though prices are going up right now. People aren't necessarily encouraged by that because they feel like, well, if I want to go buy another house, I'm going to have to pay huge prices. And if I need to borrow money for that, the interest rates are so high, it's going to cost me a lot, a mm-hmm. lot more. Yep. So that tends to discourage this notion of, of counteract this notion that my home prices are going up. The next thing I look at inflation over the long term, inflation arose purchasing power of your home and wealth. And that means that even if even as you save and invest, your accumulated wealth buys less and less uh, just with the mere passage of time. And so even if even if the market was go- were going up, even if I was feeling really good about that, I would feel, oh, wait a minute, I don't have as much money because inflation is going up faster than my income and the market out there. And so that creates a sort of a downer effect. Nearly 70% of U.S. residents say the economy is getting worse, not better, in a new Suffolk University uh, Sawyer Business School poll this month, and it reveals that Amer- Americans are reining in spending and have deep concerns about inflation and the cost of living. And that's what we call the reverse wealth effect. I, I was just going to say, there's got to be a reverse wealth effect. That's called the reverse wealth <laughs> effect. And so now, instead of feeling, well, you know, I've, the market's up, my home price is up. I'm getting, you know, I've got a good raise here and I'm doing well. It's the reversed effect of we see the market flat. My, We've got these interest rates that are high. I'm very, very concerned. And so instead of going out and buying things and feeling like, well, maybe I can afford this extra vacation. Maybe I can afford a more expensive vacation. Maybe I can go out and buy that car or that dishwasher. I keep my money in my pocket and that ends up having the reverse. Instead of encouraging and growing the economy, that tends to be a drag on the economy. When you're describing the wealth effect, I can't help but reflect back on the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as we were coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, we had these incredible supply chain disruptions, right? And some of that was because of things that were shut down during covid But I think it's possible that a lot of that was due to the wealth effect Mm -hmm. because here's what you had during COVID. For a lot of Americans, uh, they were able to work at home and be productive. They kept getting their salary. And they got stimulus payments. Well, I'm getting to that. Yeah. So they they kept getting their salary. Uh, Housing prices were going up. Interest rates were crashing. 
Mm-hmm. And then and then both the Trump administration and the Biden administration helicoptered all kind of money into the economy. And we know during the COVID-19 pandemic that the household rate of saving went way up. Went way up. And people who had never invested individually in the market started, right. they were sitting at home. Right. <laughs> they had some extra money in the account so let's and they re- jumped let's, in. Let's remodel the house. Let's re-landscape the house. Let's, let's add on. Um, let's, let's buy an RV. I mean, you had a strong wealth effect going on there where households were actually feeling like, you know, uh, we ha- we may have to wear a mask when we go outside, but we're feeling like we're in pretty good shape when we're inside. So I think that was an example of the wealth effect. And of course, now, of course, you as you were relating, as we sit here in fall of 2023, when the Biden administration is trying to sell us on Bidenomics, mm-hmm. and it's almost like, don't believe your lying eyes, you dog-faced pony soldier, <laughs> you know? I mean, the Biden administration is trying to convince us all that the economy is doing great. But people look at the increase in the price of food and housing and rents on apartments and fuel, and it's like it doesn't feel to us like things are going well. And so the wealth effect has got to have some kind of a positive political effect for whoever's in charge. And I have to imagine that the reverse wealth effect has got to have a negative political effect for whoever happens to be in charge. Yeah. According to that uh, Suffolk University Sawyer Business School USA Today poll, it says a stunning 84% of respondents say the cost of living is rising, citing the swelling price of everything, every, everyday needs, food prices, um, housing, uh, transportation, the main things that people spend their money on. Those are going up significantly, and they see that, and so that has really tapped down consumer confidence, which Mm -hmm. takes us to our last point, the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index. They they track this on a regular basis. They have one called the Expectations Index, and that's based upon consumers' short-term outlook for income, business, and labor market conditions, and it's been going down and has gone down significantly lately. The whole Consumer Conference Index has gone down over this past month, and that was the second month in decline. And so expectations fell below 80, the level that historically signals a recession within the next year. So what consumers are fearing is an impending recession coming up sometime in the near future. And if you think a recession's coming, you tend to want to keep your money in close to you. You don't want to spend a lot of money. You don't want to go out on a a spending binge, buy something new and so forth. And so you've got this consumer confidence that's down and going lower, interest rates going up, inflation may be declining a little bit, but it's still high. And we're looking at the cumulative effect over the last two or three years. And so it has got consumers, I think, in in a sort of very sour position right now, where they just don't feel like things are going well in the economy. And that wealth effect has ended and you've got that reverse wealth effect in effect. So even though Joe Biden's going out saying, you're doing better than ever, we've got all kinds of money out there. We're pumping money in the economy from the government. You've got raises. The UAW is liable to get raises out here and so forth. Consumers just don't believe it. So I think the way we should wrap up is I'm struck that the real importance of the wealth effect Mm -hmm. or of the reversed wealth effect is that it accelerates what's going on. So in other words, if 
consumers are feeling good about themselves in the economy, they're more inclined to actually go out and spend more, which just accelerates an already good economy. That's right? right. And if consumers are feeling bad about things, they batten down the hatches, they cut down on spending, they don't go out to eat as often, they prolong major purposes, and that would accelerate an economy declining and getting worse. Exactly right. So you've got you've got the fundamentals, but then you've also got the psychology. And the, the primary effect of the psychology is going to be to accelerate the fundamentals, it seems to me. And you could actually get into a spiral where uh, things are good, but the wealth effect takes us from good to great. Or things are not great, but the reverse wealth effect takes us from not great to bad. See, it's an in- important point because even though consumer spending has been uh, has been holding fairly firm and sort of been saving the economy from a recession, the fact that the psychology isn't there, you can change the fundamentals in some way. You can change those economics. We can see those change. But the psychology probably lasts for a while and might very well last into the next year when the presidential elections. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And most importantly, people are going to vote based on how they feel about the economy, Mm -hmm. not what some not what the real not what some bureaucrat in Washington says the economy is like. They're going to vote based on their their pocketbooks. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Matthews, for talking us through the wealth effect. It's an important principle to understand. That's our purpose with these IPI Policy Basics podcasts. We want people to understand how to think about basic policy concepts and issues how to get up to speed on issues, and how to better understand the news that they hear, whether it's related to public policy or economics or whatever. You could find a lot more about economic policy at our website at IPI.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You can also help sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.